All of college football's eyes are on the horseshoe this mighty fine week in Columbus, Ohio. Letterman Row beats everybody in here. It's the Monday after Ohio State 41, Purdue 7. It's the Monday before Ohio State, Penn State. We're going to get into both of those things uh, here on the Monday after with the 40-year vet Tim May, with Andy Backstrom. I am Spencer Holbrook. Um, in just five short days, College Game Day will be here. Big Noon Kickoff will be here. Um, a gaggle of recruits will be here. Plenty of Ohio State fans will be here, and maybe a few Penn State fans will be sprinkled in. Um, this is the epicenter of college football for this week. It is a thrill to be here, to be covering this with you guys. Tim, um, we rewatched the Purdue game to preview the Penn State game. What did you see that makes you think that Ohio State is ready for Penn State? I saw Dallin Hayden come off the bench and make the running game. As I asked him, I said, did you feel like you delivered a spark? He's so humble, he wouldn't actually say yes or anything like that. He just liked the way the offensive line blocked. Uh, you know, his his critique of the offensive line was it blocked pretty well on Saturday. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, the critiques of the offensive line the last several weeks had been something other than that. So is, is the answer uh, the offensive line getting better or Dallin Hayden going into the game and running crisp, crisply, as I call it, like slash and dash is what he was doing and uh, taking what the offensive line gave him from a crease standpoint and, uh, and exploiting it. They may have just found the answer to their running game. The problem is they're trying to keep that part of their running game uh, off the field, meaning uh, Dallin Hayden. They're trying to get him a redshirt year. But you know what, as, uh, as Ryan Day said, as you reevaluate things, especially after that game, they may have just found an answer. I thought that was huge. I don't know if y'all agree or not, but he averaged almost seven yards a carry. Yeah. He looked really good doing it. Uh, so when you add that to what to what they've already been doing, throwing the ball, yeah, I think that aspect of the game is coming along. But do not, in any way, form, or fashion, uh, mistake PU's off defensive line with PSU's defensive line. I'll leave it at that. Andy, what did you see on Saturday that makes you think this team is ready for Penn State? Yeah, I'm going to still talk about the running game as well, but in a different vein. I thought that the scheme-wise was really creative. I thought that Ryan Day brought probably his best game plan. It was the most complete game I think Ohio State played all year. And honestly, when I look at that run game, you're using Xavier Johnson in cool ways in the backfield. When I was rewatching the game, how much motion they used with him, I thought was really key. It kind of distracted the eyes of that Purdue defense, took defensive backs along sideline to sideline, freed up space for Chip Trainum at first, and then Dallin Hayden running in the backfield. Also using Xavier Johnson as a running back type player as well, I think made this rushing offense more versatile. And then even calling like, we saw a zone replay for Kyle McCord we hadn't seen before. The Devin Brown red zone package, which had mixed results, but I still thought was a good thing to put on tape for Penn State this week. And it give them, you know, an ability to equate numbers in the red zone, which I think is important every week. And you also saw the tush push. Yes. First quarterback sneak of they the season. They do have it. With Caden Curry. I've, I've been telling my friends, I know they I know they have that. They're mo this is a modern-day coaching staff, but while we didn't see it at Notre Dame, for example, I have no idea, but the tush-push is in is in the repertoire. So I guess my like takeaway from that is, I wonder how much you can use Xavier Johnson going forward if Emeka Abuka comes back, or can you use Emeka Abuka in that role? Uh, because either way, I think that was really vital to this run game. It was really 
just distracting and, and fooling around with Purdue. They didn't know how to handle it. I thought that they ran off of that concept really well. Later in the, in the game, they came back to it with a play-action play with the jet sweep with Xavier Johnson before yeah. they had handed it off to him. This time they faked it. Then he slipped out for a screen, had a big game there. I just think that it was really well called game by Ryan Day. By the way, just when you think you have the lighting figured out in the horseshoe, the sun comes out. So uh, you don't need to see our faces anyway. They might be a little, uh, a little dark. <laughs> it's but kind of coming over this way, man. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll come and go as the video goes on here on the Monday after Ohio State 41, Purdue 7. Fellas, I didn't learn a single thing about this defense other than the fact that it's still really good. Um, Purdue's offensive line is a garbage heap right now, um, which isn't to take anything away from the Ohio State defensive line, but I thought it was kind of hard to learn things on the rewatch from this Ohio State defense given the competition it was going Except against. They got just, after it. Yeah, I mean, they did get after it, and that's what they should have done because the Purdue defensive lo offensive line is bad. But on the offensive side, the creativity mixed with Dallin Hayden, chef's kiss. I thought it was great. Um, now take it into the next game. Don't, chef's kiss. don't just put it on film. Take it in, use it against Penn State. The orbit motions to Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, that weren't, where he would go halfway and then come back. The KJ Hill stuff from 2019 that I talked about. Uh, on Morning Juice this morning on 97 on the fan. KJ Hill, that's a four-letter word for Penn State. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he terrorized them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you would bring Marvin in half motion and get him back out to the outside. He's going to get the corner on anybody because he's fast enough to do so. Uh, you know, orbit motions and faking, hand, faking sweeps and then throwing back side to Kate Stover. Incredible. Uh, Sending an orbit motion the opposite way of pulling guards and tackles to help equate numbers in the running game. Oh, you love orbit motion. Great. You? you love that. You love that. You love that term. Don't Tim, you? it was so creative from what we've seen from Ryan Day. I it's agree, not 100%. just under center stretch. It's under center stretch, but you've got a motion involved that helps move a defender out of the picture. I mean, it's the very simple stuff that can help this running game. And when they got back to basics, they looked pretty good doing it. Here's the thing. We've talked about this a million times, so let's go a million and one. Uh, Ohio State's playbook, or play tablet, I guess is probably more the best of the term, or the term, the modern term. It's a sheet. Uh, well, they finally printed out. Let's put it that way. The bottom line is, it's got to be as deep as anybody in the country, if, if not, I mean, it's stunning every week, uh, in my opinion, because I'm a, I've always been a fan of over-the-top offensive football. It's stunning what new things you see come up every week, whether it's one or two or five or seven, or little nuances that they throw at people, little changes that they throw at people. And it shows they weren't sitting status quo. I know this is gonna work. Let's keep pounding this nail even though it's bent. You got me? Yeah. Uh, that's what stands out to me about this past Saturday. I think they showed some things they didn't need to show you know, uh, against Purdue. But you gotta trot them out there against a, uh, a, a true enemy to find out if in fact it's working. And that's exactly what they did on Saturday. And I expect some new stuff again this coming week that will play off of what you saw on Saturday. Uh, the Devin Brown move to the power running game for the quarterback was genius in my opinion. But genius, except that we've seen that before in other places, uh, Tim Tebow in, uh, in uh, 2006, uh, augmenting Chris Leak down at the goal line. Uh, so they're not, it's not like they're in reinventing the wheel, but they are putting some wheels on this offense that are clearly making it move, in my opinion, stronger down in the red zone. So that's what stood out more than anything else. And if Devin Brown, like we talked about on Saturday, 
over at Purdue, standing in that stadium. By the way, how hard was that prescription athletic turf? It felt like we were standing on artificial turf. That's another story. Uh, but, the, but, the, but the things they showed, if Devin Brown doesn't have that fumble going in, oh my gosh. I mean, we, it, it still didn't take away from me what they did with well, Devin Brown. Uh, and then he comes back and throws that little, uh, that little deep uh, back shoulder throw to uh, uh, Brandon Ennis down the right sideline who takes it in for a touchdown just to show that he, by the way, he may be in the goal line offense, but he can still throw the ball. I just, I just thought it was an interesting exercise for Ohio State on Saturday at Purdue. I would say interesting is the correct word because not only did Devin Brown fumble, he also very nearly threw a 100-yard pick six. Um, and nearly, that's the key word there, nearly. Well, it was against a very bad defense, and against better teams, that's probably a pick six. So True, what I'm but he can learn from that. Yes, he can, but what I'm saying is that's two turnover-worthy plays in the red zone. One of them actually was a turnover and took points off the board, and the end of the half wasn't very well executed um, by Ohio State either because you get a penalty on Josh Simmons, which I'm still questioning that holding call. I thought the Purdue guy slipped, and Josh Simmons' hands went with him, um, which yeah. made the hold. Um, but you get those kind of calls sometimes. It just always seems to happen to Josh Simmons, Andy. The only time Ohio State did not score in the first half was on a fumble into the end zone and because of a penalty generated by itself. Quite literally, the only thing that stopped Ohio State when it was had its first team or best team offense in the game was Ohio State. That's a really good sign because teams have been able to slow down Ohio State this year. And the fact that only Ohio State was beating Ohio State on Saturday those things are correctable. They can be fixed, and I think that's a good sign moving forward, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I'd say there's a lot of things at play. One, you're facing a Purdue team. I wouldn't say they're bad on defense. They're just not great, and their injuries depleted. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. they have been banged up. Uh, they even had a couple more injuries during that game, and they hadn't had a bye yet. So they're, yeah. all, they're on off week now, so they need that. But I thought Ohio State was really efficient, not only on offense but on defense. They forced a lot of three and outs, which we haven't <laughs> seen a ton of this year. Yeah. That's why they ended up with 13 possessions, which was way over their average for this year. They've been around 10 in most games this season. Yeah. So I thought that that was kind of part of this offense success was the defense success to get the ball them, get them back the ball really quickly, uh, a lot of those possessions. So, I mean, honestly, like when you look at this game, there's a lot to take from it. I agree with Tim and Spencer, what you were saying, like you can't just – put it on tape and then not use it next week. I do think it helps to put it on tape because Penn State now has to prepare for that in addition to this pretty potent passing attack. Yeah. But I do think that I liked a lot of the stuff I saw and I think it would work against any team. I, mean, I don't think it's just because you played Purdue that this stuff was working. But it, yeah, I get what I'm saying. You know, I've talked to Ryan Day about this before though. He doesn't just put, they don't just put in one little concept play and run one play out of it. There's always, you've, Whenever you put something in, you've got to have the, you've got to have the addendums. You've got to have the tangents it goes to. You know what I mean? Like uh, Devin Brown looking like he's going to like power into the middle of the line, and you know, like Tim Tebow fashion, and throwing a throwing a touchdown like Braxton Miller did against uh, Penn State uh, many years ago. Uh, there are all these offshoots from it. He he can start right and then step back and throw a pass. You gotta you gotta figure that's all in the repertoire, which the defense has to prepare for because you have to prepare defensively for every contingency and anytime you can make a defense slow down by a half step you know it is so huge especially in the red zone so I'm 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 looking at what they did on Saturday new and I'm looking at where that can go also yeah. and Penn State has to do the same thing so it just adds to their workload on top of stopping one of the 
one of the premier passing attacks in the country. I think one of the things that I am curious about is <clears throat> I really do believe that Kyle McCord is gaining a lot of confidence in the red zone. I talked about it last week on this video, and Ryan Day said his two best throws in the red zone of, uh, so far this year came on the back-to-back -to -back touchdowns to Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. Well, okay. He's getting more comfortable in the red zone. We saw it again on Saturday when he zipped one into the tightest of windows to Cade Stover for a touchdown. That throw took a lot of confidence. If he's gaining a lot of confidence in the red zone, he should be on the field if you're going to throw the ball in the red zone. With that being said, Devin Brown adds a layer to this in the running game that you can really utilize and have success with. However, if one Ohio State player subs in, i.e. Devin Brown for Kyle McCord, that gives the officials reason to pause the game and allow Penn State to sub guys in. I don't necessarily want Devin Brown throwing the football in the red zone because it's a lot of more tight windows. But I also don't want Ohio State to be so predictable that Penn State can sub in a big package against Ohio State and then stop the run. So there's a, there's a balance that the Buckeyes absolutely have to be able to figure out when they bring you let Devin Brown throw it in the red zone. I mean, I don't have I, any problem hmm. with that at all. I mean, I don't uh, like that. The more throws he gets, the more the more consistent he'll get, the more competent he'll get, uh, the the less risky he'll get. Uh, mm. I mean, I I mean, I don't I, like that. You're see, you're 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 the anti to what I was just saying a while ago. You've got to have things, and you got to have things off of things. And oh. Devin Brown can throw the ball. I mean, you know, it's uh, but like like the throw that uh, like the throw that Cal McCord made to to. Uh, Cage Stover we're talking about, that was at least as good a catch as throw. Yes. Because Cage Stover had to reach back for it and those big farm raised mitts, you know, <laughs> grabbed that ball as Ryan Day said and pulled it down and they didn't get to it. And when I looked at that window, because I, I remember seeing it from where we were sitting, we were at a great angle to watch that. Yeah. But when you watch it from the back, it, it was a bigger window than it appeared from our vantage point. You follow my dude? It wasn't as risky. I guess a throw as I first thought it was. You follow what I'm saying? Because Kyle saw it all the way. Now you're just hoping when you let that ball go that Cade Stover's seeing the same, as I call it, bathroom window. And he did and, and pulled it down. But it was also a great play by Cade Stover. I guess what I'm trying to say is Ryan. You're trying to say. Ryan, Don't let Devin Brown throw the ball in the red zone, is what you're saying. Well, but if you I. Can't, you got to have that element. You've got to have that element as a possibility when you send him into the game because you don't want to be predictable. I suppose. I, I, I just struggle to find out what the value is in having the backup quarterback in to throw passes in the tightest of windows if during the quarterback competition Ryan Day continually talks about taking care of the football, being good in the red zone, and being more consistent. And the other guy won the competition. So I, I'm, not, I'm not anti-Devin Brown. I promise I'm not anti-Devin Brown. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just curious as to what the next step is for this package because I think if you're throwing the ball, it is worth it to have Kyle McCord, the starting quarterback, in the football game, Andy. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I just think that Ryan Day wouldn't play anyone if he doesn't trust them. Like, I just don't think they'd see the light of the field. Like, I, just, I, I think that I believe him. When he puts the people on the field that he trusts, he's going to let them do what they can do. And part of that is Devin Brown throwing the football. And I, I agree with Tim. I think if you don't have him throw it, Teams are going to figure it out pretty quickly, and it's not going to work. Purdue figured it out. I mean, he had one carry that uh, went for no gain. The rest yeah. of them were pretty productive. Were pretty yeah, productive. it came on that. So. Came on that. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. It came on that third drive though, when he was in for just one play. Yeah. And and Purdue ended up knowing where the ball, where where the run was going to go, and so it was a little easier to defend, which is kind of the point that I guess both of us are trying to make. You got to have new layers, but you also have to be careful with using it. Go yeah. ahead. I mean, I look. I think that. 
I, you think you think you have to trust Ryan Day. I think that he's seen this guy in practice. If he was going to turn the ball over at a high clip, I don't think he'd be in the game at all. I don't think we're going to see it as much as we did against Purdue. I think that was a, a way to get some reps for Devin Brown in that situation. I think we might see this red zone package like once in a game, uh, probably not every game. And I think it's something that they will use at times, but I don't think it's going to be every red zone trip like it was in the first half. I think this was a way to get some practice in against a team you knew you were going to beat and you were beating already pretty soundly at the time. Yeah. And I, I just think that it's not something to like really zero in on too much because I think it overall was a plus for this team. Yeah, and here's the thing. The bottom line is they recognize their short yardage, their whatever you red zone and short yardage shortcomings. Uh, clearly, uh, they've gone to this package. There's, there's two ways you can be creative. You can be creative scheme-wise or you can be creative personnel-wise. And they've, they've opted to be creative personnel-wise. I mean, like you were talking about a while ago about the Xavier Johnson stuff that really got you going. Uh, Spencer's orbit stuff got him going. Uh, no, Devin Brown, how big is Devin Brown? Six, three and a half, six, four, 220 pounds. I haven't measured him lately. Going, no, he's a tall guy because yeah. I'm six two and he, I'm looking slightly up at him, and he's a big guy. Him getting out on the edge and cutting it up, that's why it was too bad to see him fumble right at the goal line because that was a power play, man. He was hell-bent to get to the goal line, and one little hand comes in there, you know, and changes everything. But uh, that's creative with your personnel. Is Kyle McCord that guy for that play? No. But the thing about Cal McCord is you can run that once and now you got to respect it. With Devin Brown, they have to respect that aspect of this offense now. Now you can do something off of that. I'm t and I know Ryan Day and his staff, uh, Brian Hartline, they are keen to do that. One of the most important plays I thought of the entire afternoon, fellas. You could tell I was really fired up because I was using my hand a lot on that one. That's okay. Use your hands, Tim. Yeah. Uh, all hands team, Tim May. Yeah. Uh, one of the most important plays I thought of the entire afternoon that would not be came for that. on a, I believe, first and ten. It was a standard handoff, except it wasn't. And the entire Purdue defense went toward one of the running backs, whoever it was. I'm doing a terrible job of talking about this. And Kyle McCord instead kept it and dove and got nine yards. Guess yeah. what that does? That freezes the defender on that side from now on. But Kyle man, McCord. Was he, man, was he looking for a soft place to fall on that. It, I, I, wish he, I wish he had. Because he didn't get the first down, remember? He was short of the yeah. first down on that, on that play. But I'm with you. Go ahead. Yeah, he got nine yards. And that's very, very important because it not only kept Ohio State ahead in the chains when the running game has not been that all year, it now at least makes every other team like figure out maybe he might be able to run. And so you have to keep one more over there. And it equates numbers better in the running game. Maybe I'm looking too much into it, but I thought it was super important for Kyle McCord to at least keep one yeah. and just make somebody think like, all right, if we sell out to stop this running game on this, uh, you know, run pass look. option on this look, look, yeah, that is very, very critical for this Ohio State running game to be able to equate numbers by just making sure like, hey, if we need six yards, Kyle can get it. He can and he will. So I, I thought that was important, Andy. Yeah, he can. He's just a different runner, right? He's shying away from contact as yeah. he should. He has to stay healthy. Yeah. Devin Brown wants a lower starting, shoulder and run into pitcher, people, man. right? Yeah. And yeah. while there might be some risk with Devin Brown throwing the ball in the red zone, there's also a risk with Kyle McCord running the football. One, injury risk. Two, 
ball security risk. Yeah. He's lost a few fumbles this year. Yeah, he lost so, one on Saturday. Right, exactly. So again, and that's not like a critique of either players. It's just what you're dealing with. So you have to take risks if you want to have that edge, like you're talking about, to give teams you know, something else to prepare for. You got to take some of that risk. So just I think like, that's just yeah. something that they're doing. It's a calculated just, risk. And just like in auto racing in, 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 in qualified, you got to hang the car out there and feel confident that it's going to keep adhesion to the track. And uh, this, this Ohio State offense uh, has that capability because they've got some high-level, high-end, high-performance players. Now you got to trust them in a big game, just like they did against Georgia the last time you saw them in a game. Well, Notre Dame, I guess, was a game of this magnitude. But I, th I think Penn State's better than Notre Dame. Yes. That's, that's my own personal feeling. So you gotta, you got to take chances uh, to get to get production because Penn State's going to come in extremely well versed on what Ohio State has shown offensively. Now where do you take the offense? You understand what I'm saying? But if you find out you've got a couple of good uh, uh, advantages at a couple of, against a couple of defensive linemen, sometimes you just go revert like, like he talked about. They got back to basic plays running the ball on Saturday. And it worked. And it worked especially when Dallin Hayden was in the game. Yeah. Uh, run here and it will open. It will open up for you. Maybe it's a little crack that will open up for you. And Dallin Hayden, we saw him in the spring, how much he, stronger he had gotten. We saw him in preseason camp, how much stronger he had gotten uh, just as a power runner um, uh, along with that top-end speed he's got. And uh, I'd be surprised if we don't see him again on Saturday. Yes or no answer. I don't answer. know why you wouldn't play him on Saturday. Yes or no answer only, so I can, I can get to a point here. I'll start with Andy, then I'll go to Tim. Just a yes or no answer. Will Dallin Hayden be here for five years? No. No. Okay. Why are you redshirting him? He is effective running because the football. Hold, hold, hold on. Let me make the point. I know why they're doing it. He is effective running the football. And if you're having trouble running the football, and he provides you as one of those snaky – I, I call him like a snaky guy. He can get – he can just – snake his way through a scene does it at velocity. that you don't see a lot of other guys do. And as much as I love and I, as much as I toot the horn for Travion Henderson, he is a special running back when he's healthy, and I think he will be healthy on Saturday on this field. Even he doesn't do some of the things that Dallin Hayden does. Dallin Hayden's vision gives you something in the running game, especially when the lanes are messy and there's a little muddy of a, yes. of a track there in between the tackles. His I don't. was a mudder. I don't. was a mudder. I don't see a way in which you can continue to preserve him as if you're going to get three more years out of him. I guarantee you they talked about that on the bus ride to the airplane. They talked about it on the plane. They talked about it when they got off the plane. They talked about it all day Sunday. Coaching staff, I guarantee you that was conversation. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't dwell on it, but there is no denying what he brought to the table on Saturday. Now, how do you put that back in, like you said, back in the paddock and not use it? Uh, I don't think, especially, uh, you know, there will be questions about uh, Chip Trainum as the week goes on because he clearly left the game after a head bump yeah. and uh, had his helmet taken away. That's protocol. That's concussion protocol. Uh, and then uh, my, Williams didn't even make the trip. You know, we, he's, he's been banged up uh, lower legs. I think he's been banged up all year off and on. Who, who knows really what his malady is? And we saw Travion Henderson makes the trip and is a healthy no, – I guess not not healthy enough scratch. Yeah. So, Dallin Hayden, as you look at it right now, Dallin Hayden is their best bet as the starting running back. And then again, Ryan Day brings up, well, 
The biggest thing is he took care of the football. This guy must fumble more than anybody in human history in practice. Because every time they talk about Dallin Hayden, it's ball security, ball security, ball security. I have never seen him fumble in a football game. I haven't either. And so it's you just jinxed him, but I haven't either. <laughs> okay, knock on wood. I don't have yeah, any. I don't have any wood. Exactly right. I don't know where. I, you know, I I haven't even heard that about him. I mean, when you talk to other people, you know, you know what I mean by other yeah. people. Yeah. And so I don't I don't know where that exactly comes from. I, I think his biggest liability, and he touched on this also, is pass protection. Yes. Pass pro. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a. This is a team that passes extremely well, and pass pro by the running back is so key. Uh, so, but you know, I'm not. How, I'm not sure how good. Now, I'm not even going to say that because that would sound like I'm equating him with some a great running back from the past. So I'm not even going to use that analogy. But the bottom line is, what he brings to the running game, what he brought on Saturday, was undeniable. Andy. I'm going to ask you a question. Who's one defensive player, as we switch over here to the defensive side of the ball on the Monday after Ohio State 41, Purdue 7, one defensive player that you just thought, like, wow, or dang, to make this PG, uh, not PG-13, it's a family program. Like, one defensive player just like, wow, like, whew, he played well. Uh, it's got to be Tyleek Williams. Oh, man, you stole mine. No, I'll go with Jack Sawyer. No, we, no, no, you go we, can, we can talk about Tyleek a no, lot. No, Tyleek Williams. Well, I, I do think Jack Sawyer should be talked about, so I'll, I'll start with Jack Sawyer because he has not been talked about a, a lot this season, and honestly, like sometimes for good reason. He's had his up and downs so far this year. Yeah. He had one and a half sacks. So did JT Tuimolo. Uh I thought they that he really one. came. Yeah, they shared one in the second quarter. That's also when Jack Sawyer's solo sack came into play. Yeah. I thought that he had a, a team-high four pressures, so he was getting to the quarterback more than anyone else against Purdue. Uh, I think that he's, at times, pretty good in run defense as well. They need him to come on. They, they need him to have games like that consistently. We've seen it at times. Uh, he was great against Western Kentucky. He was not as relevant at the end of the Notre Dame game, but he had a good start to that game. They need him to be consistently providing a presence for this defensive line, not just JT Tuimolo and Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall. Yeah, yeah I, I, and Mike, I thought Mike Hall had a pretty active game on Saturday. Didn't, didn't necessarily get the stats, but I thought he was very active in what he was doing and, and creating some havoc in there. The only thing I will say, and this is going to sound really profound, I know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Purdue's ta two tackles should not be in any way equated with Notre Dame's two tackles or with what Penn State's going to be, yeah. be bringing in here on Saturday. But, you know, you take advantage of what you can take advantage of. Uh, it, this defense still looks best when Tyleek Williams is getting after it, right there in the middle, and, uh, and Mike Hall, too. And uh, that's got to continue on Saturday, uh, I, I do believe. This Drew, Drew Aller is, I think he's an excellent quarterback. They're bringing him along in steps. If you watch their games, you know, they're getting, uh, James Franklin's getting a lot of grief because they haven't thrown the ball deep if it, a lot, if at all, or much, let's they put it that way. And, uh, but remember, we were saying the same thing about J.J. McCarthy <laughs> yeah. coming in here last November, and then boom. So, you know, never sleep on a guy who's got, who's got potential and who has, who has talent like Drew Aller has. Drew Aller has. Uh, but but, but it, just like last year, you know, you think back to that Penn State game, that's the greatest game by a defensive end I've ever witnessed. A single game is JT Tui Molowau and the way he played in that game and flipped that game a couple of times. Uh, can he duplicate that? No, probably not. Can he get half of that? Boy, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, are you conceding the rest of your time talking about Tyler Williams then? 
Yeah, because uh, he, he brought up Tyler Williams. All right, well, I will go. I, mean, uh, I don't think you can have any discussion about the front four without bringing up JT Tuimoloa. I don't think you can have any discussion anymore about the front seven without talking about Cody Simon, yeah. the guy who outsnapped uh, Steel Chambers, who was up there with Tommy Eichenberg in terms of snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. Shout out to Andy with the numbers over there. Yeah. Cody Simon's coming, fellas. He's coming, folks. He's playing really well. He had, I think, four Ladies tackles. It's not like a... It's not like a, a crazy stat line. You're not going to get uh, the warm fuzzies looking at the stat line, but he, he was in on a tackle for loss. I think he was in on the action on just about every run play. Um, he finds the football. He's got a nose for it. I think yeah. he's getting more comfortable in this defense. Two games ago and last and against Notre Dame when he was on the field, he made a huge stop. But other than that, he was kind of quiet. Last week against Maryland, he missed the tackle and he only had two and he only had two chances for a tackle. So his tackle rate was 26 percent on Pro Football Focus, and everybody went nuts on social media, saying like, oh, he sucks. And then this week, he looked even better. Wait a minute, this is a family program. Can you use he's, that word he's on stink. the family program? He stunk. Oh, he stunk. There you go. Stink, stink, stunk. So, uh, he's just getting better. And he's now taking over, as I believe it's the Sam linebacker spot. And it's something to monitor, because I did not expect to see that Coming into this year, I thought he would be a good contributor. I did not expect him to take the lion's share of snaps um, over instead of Steel Chambers. But Steel Chambers can get back to the level he was playing at last year. I, I'm just, I'm a little curious, and I hope that's Jim Knowles this, if Steel Chambers fit more of the attacking, aggressive, blitzing style from last year, and Cody Simon fits a little more of the keep read everything in front of you, read and react style from this year, and if those two things just can't really match up and I wonder if that kind of puts Steele not on the sideline as far as like, oh, he's been benched, but I wonder if that just limits his role a little more and what he can do for this defense. Yeah, and sideline-wise, I mean, it was tough to see Denzel Burke basically was in on a play, that little 30-yard gain or whatever there in the middle of the, well, that, I think it was like a little over 10 minutes left in the third quarter and uh, fell backwards. Uh, at the end of the play, looked like he might have hit his head a little bit or whatever. But after one more play, he got he left the game, got taken out of the game, and never returned. Uh, looks like he might have entered a protocol situation there. That's going to be interesting to see if he recovers from that quickly, because obviously they took his helmet away. Uh, but you got to see Jordan Hancock play a lot more as a as a true corner out there. And Jermaine uh, Matthews. Yeah, exactly. Jermaine Matthews. I thought. Boy, I, I was zeroing in on him a lot, and I was zeroing in. And when C.J. Hicks got in the game, I was zeroing in on him a lot, uh, just watching because the game was out of hand at that point. Jermaine Matthews, you could see his confidence grow as the game, as his reps grew in that game. C.J. Hicks uh, seems to be still a little bit of a work in progress from the standpoint of being a little impulsive, a little bit overrunning things because uh, there were a couple times I remember distinctly saying, okay, he went a little bit too far wide. They got their wedge on him, and you know they got their angle on him, and a play ensued for another few more yards. And the other thing that's troubling about this defense right now, from a standpoint statistically, is the last two weeks they've given up quite a bit of running yards. And uh, Pitt State's going to come over here and try to run the football with those good running backs they've got. So that's that's going to be a point of emphasis, I'm sure, for Ohio State's uh, defense as it works through the week. Not sure whether to bite my tongue or whether to say it yet again. Purdue had 56 total yards until the last drive of the first half when Ohio State began subbing defensive line. It's it's a thing now. Like 
I'm just looking at the I'm looking at the final stat line. I'm I'm remembering several uh, Penn State run or P Purdue runs which were productive. This was Purdue with a makeshift offensive line. Maryland had some success running the football from a stat standpoint. I'm just looking. We're we're looking at both the good and the and the still a little bit questionable aspects of the Ohio State defense in this segment. Yeah, I think some of it's the linebackers. Uh, Rewatching the game against Purdue, I just feel like there's at times, as good as Tommy Eichenberg is, as, as good as Steel Chambers can be, same with Cody Simon, sometimes they don't get off their blocks in the second level. You see the tackle coming up and, and pushing in, and they can't get off. And then yeah. the running back just streaks by for a gain of 10, 15 yards. That happened multiple times. Uh, sometimes it's not containing, and they bounce outside, and there's right. no one there, and they can't chase them down in the poor angle. So I think some of it's on the linebackers there. The defensive front can only do so much. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, going back to the linebacker situation, like I'm honestly not too surprised with what's happening with Cody Simon. Me neither. Jim Knowles has been talking about this since the summer, that he wanted to rotate more with his linebackers. He said that he thought that both Tommy Eichberg and Steel Chambers played way too much last year. I think there was fatigue at the end of the last season. I think that was part of the reason why there were so many, so many explosives they gave up as a team. So I think this was part of the plan. I think you're seeing Cody Simon get worked in. I, I'm not going to try to – I don't think I'm going to read too much into Cody Simon playing more snaps than, than Steel Chambers. I don't think that's because – you know, I was, I was watching the game back and I was trying to look like, did Steel Chambers play really poorly? He didn't play a great game, but he didn't – it's not like he merited a benching or anything like that. No, I, think, no. I think it was really just that they're trying to rotate these guys yeah. in. Cody Simon has earned snaps, and they're going to find a way to get him snaps. Hey, uh, don't you agree, though? We'll talk about the game more later in the week in our next several episodes. But uh, Penn State's going to come here and try to run a very similar game plan that Notre Dame did, right? Yes. You agree with that, right? Yes. That's why I'm talking about stopping the run. Is Stopping it is not the right term. Neutralizing it might be the right term or slowing it down might be the right term. Send in your terms that you think will work best or put them in the comments. I don't read them anyway. But, uh, but they're going to try to <clears throat> limit possessions just like Notre Dame did, and Notre Dame was very, pretty successful at it, right? Yep. But in the final analysis, they gave up one possession too many. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this this game has all the hallmarks of being going into the fourth quarter up in the air, up for grabs. Yeah, USC couldn't do what Ohio State did and slow down the Notre Dame offense. That's why uh -huh. USC is now looking Dude, at Dude, Caleb Williams threw oh, we're not three of the worst interceptions known to man. Everybody can lay that on Alex Grinch. That, that loss goes to Caleb Williams in that offense. Well, he's the greatest prospect in the history of the world, and he's the best quarterback to ever live. Meanwhile, so. Michael Penix Jr. now leads the Heisman Trophy race. Go ahead. A lot happened in college football. A lot's going to happen in college football, especially, that, by the way. especially in this building behind me. Uh, actually, we're in the building, so it's not really behind me. We're, we're in it. Hey, doesn't it sound like when we're in here every time, though, somebody it's like a prison during the week because somebody's trying to break out? You know, that guy with a chisel going on over there, and, and there's this continual humming over here of some auxiliary power unit or something that's always going on. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how loud a quiet stadium is? It is, and it becomes louder when Letterman Row comes in here because we have plenty to say about the Ohio State Buckeyes. We will continue to do so in previewing Ohio State versus Penn State this week. We've got Ryan Day tomorrow. We've got Ryan Day on Wednesday. We've got players on Wednesday. We've got a lot coming on Thursday. We've Jim got goals on Tuesday. Yeah, we've got bold predictions on Friday. And then, of course, Saturday at noon in this building, Ohio State, Penn State, big noon kickoff, college game day. Um, anyone who's important, I think, will be here on Saturday, including 
Tim May, the 40-year vet, including Andy Baxter. I'm not so important, but I'm Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the, glue, Mon man. the Monday after Ohio State 41, Purdue 7, as we turn our full focus to Ohio State, Penn State. We'll see you guys in the, in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday, and we will certainly see you in here on Saturday.